You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Notice Psalm 122 in verse number 1. The psalmist writes, and many believe that this is David who is writing this psalm. He says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. Whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of Israel to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. For there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and they shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sakes, I will now say, Peace be within thee, because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek Thy good. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to capture these truths as I go through Psalm 122. Lord, you've used this psalm to bless my heart. I've had this first verse on my heart now for these many months. I've been looking forward to this day, and I believe uh, all of us here this morning could say the same. We've been looking forward to being back in the house of God in this auditorium. And Lord, you've been so good to us, and you've allowed us today to come back and Lord, for those that are not back yet, those that are listening by way of radio or those watching by way of live stream, I pray that you'd give them a special blessing. Lord, I pray that the Word of God would be uh, preached with power and authority this morning. And Holy Spirit, would you do a work in this place and everywhere that folks are listening this morning. I pray that uh, we would not just be hearers of the Word, but I pray that we would be doers of the Word also. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This psalm, if you'll notice, beginning in Psalm 120 all the way to Psalm 134, all of these psalms, they have a title. And that title says it's a song of degrees. These psalms, there's 15 of these psalms. They're also called Psalms of Ascension. Now, some Bible scholars differ a little bit, but most would agree that these psalms, these 15 psalms, were used by God's people as they made the journey from wherever they lived in Israel. They made the journey to Jerusalem three times a year for the feasts, for the worship of God, for the sacrifices there uh, at the temple. And they would use these psalms as they traveled and they would sing these psalms anticipating when they were going to get to God's house when they were going to get to worship God. You see, they didn't have CD players back then, and they didn't have uh, uh, eight tracks. or uh, yeah, You know what that is, right? Uh, they didn't have cassette players. They didn't have iPods. They didn't have uh, smartphones, and they didn't have all that. So they would sing as they traveled. And the closer they'd get, and the Bible uh, uh, tells us that these were, were songs of degrees or songs of ascension. And Jerusalem was situated uh, on a high plain, a high a mountainous region. And so they were on their way up to get to Jerusalem. Can I just make this application, just throw this out there? Whenever you're going to church, you're on your way up. Whenever you're going to church, you're making progress. Whenever you're trying to worship God, that's a step in the right direction for God's people. Scholars also believe that these songs of ascension or songs of degrees were used 
there were 15 steps, about 60 feet wide, but 15 steps that led up to the temple in Jerusalem. And they would get on the first step and they'd do one of these psalms, perhaps Psalm 120. Then they'd step up the next step in 121, the next step 122. They had been anticipating for so long the fact that they were going to the house of God. You see, Jerusalem was not just another city. The temple was not just another place. Jerusalem was the city of God. The temple was situated on that area that Abraham had gone up and taken his son Isaac. Uh, we know it as Mount Moriah. And Abraham was prepared to offer his son on that mountain and God stopped him and God provided a lamb. That same place, Bible scholars believe, was the place where David offered sacrifices when the angel of the Lord was going through and uh, was judging Israel. And he saw the angel of the Lord in that spot and he purchased that threshing floor and he offered sacrifices. Many believe that's the very spot where the temple was built. David gathered the materials, of course, and Solomon constructed that temple. But this was an exciting event. This was an exciting time. They were going to church. They were going to worship God. There was much anticipation. There was much rejoicing. There was much excitement as they prepared to worship God. I don't know if you're excited about it or not, but I'm so thrilled that on this Sunday, June 14th, 2020, we get to be back in church. Uh, you see, I don't want to take it for granted. I don't want to just uh, think, oh, well, you know, we're going to church again. We had 13 Sundays where we did not come in this auditorium and we didn't meet like this. And can I tell you, it feels so good to be back in this place. You say, well, there's nothing special about this place. These pews are just, you know, you know material and, and cushion and wood and, you know, this carpet, nothing special about this, nothing special about the lights. There may not be something special about the furniture to you, but there's something special to me about what God has done in this place. There's something special to me about the souls that have been saved and the people that have gotten baptized and the lives that have been surrendered to God and the marriages that have been helped and the homes that have been helped and the backslidden that have come back to God. And can I tell you, I am thankful and I'm grateful that we have the honor to be in God's house this morning. Notice quickly, number one, I see the thought. It says in verse one, I was glad when they said unto me, not when they got there, not when they arrived, although I'm sure they were very thrilled when they arrived. Brother Van Gelder and I was thinking about for you folks, thousand miles to get this tour started. I'm sure there was uh, some excitement when you finally got here. Uh, you know, and not, maybe not from the college students, but maybe from you and your wife and Lindsay. Just, you know, hey, the three-year-old and the one-year-old, uh, they're, not, they're not built for thousand-mile road trips, you know. But you made it. You're here. And the children of Israel, they would, they would travel from wherever they lived, all the different tribes and all the different regions. And when they got there, they were excited. But David said, I was excited when somebody even mentioned it. Notice just the thought, just the opportunity, just the, the privilege that we have to go to God's house. By the way, it wasn't just an idea. They didn't just talk about it, but they went. Uh, anybody have a family member who likes to talk about things, but they never do anything? You know, it's like, yeah, you know, one of these days we're going to do such and such or, well, let's do it. Let's not just talk about going to church or let's not just talk about I'm going to start listening online or I'm going to start listening on the radio. Let's do it. But the thought, the privilege of going to God's house. 
What an amazing opportunity we have. May we cherish the opportunities to come to church. May we soak up every minute of worshiping God and being in his house. God knew that we would need this place. See, church was not man's idea. Church was not uh, some organization's uh, concept, but church was God's plan for his people. I'm not talking about going to church and being a spectator. You know, I've been to some pretty neat places. I remember the first time uh, my wife had already been there, but I remember the first time we went to the Biltmore House in Asheville. How many of you have been to the Biltmore? Have you seen that? That's an amazing place. I remember I was, I was not thinking it was going to be that, that incredible. When I got there, I was like, whoa, just when you see just that, that front lawn and you see those, that, that, that structure. But can I tell you, when you go to Biltmore, you don't get to have dinner or hang out or spend time with the people that own it. You get to pay money to go in and walk through it and say, okay, God bless you. Have a good day. Well, I don't know if they say God bless you, but you know, you know, you get the idea. You go to the White House. You go to the White House and you might get a tour and they might show you around, but you're not spending time with the president. You're not spending time with important people there. But when you and I come to God's house, it's more than being a spectator. It's more than just coming and watching. It's more than just coming and observing. We get to worship and spend time with and talk to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You see, this is God's house. He's the creator. He's the savior. He's the king of all ages. And he invites us to come into his house. You say, well, pastor, don't you know, I can talk to God anywhere. And you're right, you can. You can talk to him walking down the street. You can talk to him driving down the road. I prefer that you keep your eyes open if you're going to do that, you know, praying and driving. Um, you can talk to him if you're out by the ocean. You can talk to him up in the mountains. I understand all that. But can I tell you, the church is God's plan for his people to assemble and to worship him. Why do we come to church? Not to be spectators. We come to church to participate. We come to church because we love him. We come to church to worship. We come to church because of all that he has done in our lives. Number one, I see the thought. Number two, I see the thrill. I think some people go to church because they have to. But David said, that's not me. He said, I wasn't mad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. David didn't say I was sad. David didn't say, oh, here we go again. Oh, somebody's going to have to twist my arm. Oh, no. David said, I was glad. I was thrilled. I was so excited. I was so joyful that we could go to the house of God. You know what's wonderful is that somebody invited David. And I understand he was the king, and I understand he was a man after God's own heart. But somebody said to David, hey, king, you want to go with us? Let us, let us together, let us go into the house of the Lord. Can I tell you, I'm so encouraged by our church family, how much you have invited people to church. We have had visitors at the drive-in services. We've had visitors at the tent services. We've had people watching our online and listening on the radio. Uh, I was out yesterday uh, canvassing and blitzing with uh, Savannah and uh, Tristan Morris, and there was uh, some, some dear ladies that said, hey, we've been listening on the radio. We've been watching online. And can I tell you why? Because somebody told them about it. Wouldn't it be great if we'd tell somebody about church? Wouldn't it be great if we'd invite somebody uh, to come or invite somebody to listen? Wouldn't it be great if we told somebody about Jesus? Wouldn't it be good if we shared the gospel? But David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Notice verse number four, whither the tribes go up. 
the tribes of the Lord unto the testimony of Israel. You see, there were 12 distinct tribes and they had borders and they had regions and they had different ways of doing things. But they set aside all those differences to say, we are going to worship God together. Boy, I tell you, I'm thankful we can get together. I'm thankful that we can have unity. I'm thankful that we can worship to God, uh, worship God together as a family. I'm glad that we have the privilege to come together to worship. Notice not only was there unity, there was safety. You see, for some of these people that had far distances to travel, they knew that when they got to Jerusalem, they would be safe. Jerusalem had walls. The Bible says that it was a city that was built compactly together. It had gates. Uh, verse number two, our feet shall stand within thy gates. There was a palace. Verse number seven. Uh, this was a city where there was safety. There was peace. Notice verses six, seven, and eight. The Bible talks about peace in all of those verses. They knew when they were traveling that there were some dangers along the way. They knew that there were some enemies. They knew there could be some hardships. There could be some robbers and some thieves. But they knew when they got to church, when they got to the temple, when they got to Jerusalem, the city where the temple was located, they knew they would be safe. And can I tell you, it's a wonderful feeling when you come to church and you just get a reminder from the Lord, maybe a tap on your shoulder, maybe a whisper in your ear where God just says, everything's going to be okay. Hey, you can put aside the cares and you can put aside the burdens and you can kind of, uh, kind of tune out all the other stuff going on in the world and you can just say, you know, when I come to church, I just know everything's going to be all right. There's the thought, number one. There's the thrill and there's the joy that we can come to God's house and what a privilege it is. But number three, I see the thanks. It says in verse number uh, four, that the tribes would come together to Jerusalem to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. I want to remind us this morning that we as a church, we are so blessed. God has been so good to us. But we don't come to church to pat each other on the back. We don't come to church to talk about all the things that we've done and all the things that we've accomplished. You know what we've accomplished? Nothing. You know how much good we've done? Zero. Anything good in this church and anything good in this pastor and anything good in this people is all because of God. And we come to church to give Him thanks and to give Him glory for all that He has done. We come to church, there's a, there's a thought, wow, we get to come. There's a thrill, praise God for the joy. Number three, the thanks, but number four, I see the thrones. This is interesting to me because in this psalm, there is mention made to the thrones in Jerusalem, the thrones of judgment, like courtrooms, perhaps. It says, for there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. You see, the throne signified authority. And some of the people that came from different parts of, of Israel, they would come to Jerusalem to worship, but when they came to Jerusalem, they could also have their case heard before the judge. They could have their case heard before the court. And there wasn't a higher throne or a higher court you could go to than to the king. And they could go into King David and they could say, King, 
Uh, I had this problem back in my hometown and I went to this judge or I went to this ruler or I went to this person and, and they couldn't help it. But, but king, I'm wondering if you can help me. Can I tell you the king David, the king that sat on the throne of Israel, his word was final. He could help. He could do something about the problems. And can I remind you for the problems that you have in your life, Maybe the problems at home or the problems at work or the problems uh, uh, in the community or the problems that you're facing. Can I tell you who can do something about it? The king, King Jesus. His throne is higher than any throne and his authority is greater than any authority. And when we come to the house of God, we can come before the throne and we can bring our requests. We can bring our petitions. The throne is a throne of judgment. It's a throne of justice. But I'm glad it's also a throne of grace. Hebrews 4, the Bible says, let us, us, we can come boldly before the throne of grace and find mercy and grace to help in time of need. Aren't you glad you can go to the throne and get an extra dose of grace? Oh, I tell you, that's what we need. We need the grace of God. We need a God's grace in our lives. And when you go to the house of God, it's a reminder that the king is on the throne. He's in control. He's sovereign. And everything is going to be okay. Can I tell you, when you come to the house of God, you ought to be glad because the God you worship is the king of the universe. He is the king. He's above every leader. He's above every court. He's above every president. He's above every governor. He's above every senator. He's above every representative. He is the king of all kings, and he is the Lord of all lords. And we get to worship him. Not only do we get to worship him, we get to serve him. Not only do we get to serve him, we get to know him. We get to talk to him. We get to be called his children and we get to call him our father what a privilege i want you to notice lastly i see in verse 9 the uh, the rejoicing of of coming to the house of god and the description of jerusalem and the, the the tribes and the thrones and and the peace of jerusalem they keep mentioning the peace and and they pray for peace and and we ought to pray for peace but i'll tell you what this world's not going to know peace until they accept the prince of peace until they recognize that Jesus is the only one that brings true peace. But verse 9, it, it almost seems like it doesn't fit. It almost seems like, how'd that verse get in there? But I want you to see it, and I want you to think about it. It says, because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. I'd like to say, lastly, that when we come to the house of God, not only is that thought amazing, not only is there a thrill, there's a thanks that we give and there's a throne that we can approach, but I see there's thriving that is possible. The word thrive, it means to flourish, it means to prosper, it means to make progress. And did you know that because, verse 9, because of the house of God, because we come to church, it ought to make a difference. Now, I'll tell you who ought to be the most spiritual people in the world at the end of the summer. It's this tour group down here. 
they're going to be in church every day of their lives, you know, for the whole summer. And so I think the rule is when you go back to Bible college in the fall, you get to skip church and chapel for like two months or something. No, don't, don't do that. I'm just kidding. But you know, if we're in church, it ought to do us some good. Right? There ought to be a difference. By the way, uh, Jacob and Brittany, it's so good to see you. We're so glad you're here. They had to straighten out things down in Greenville, you know, all the craziness going on there, and then make sure everything's okay up here in Roanoke Rapids. But I'll give you this illustration, and I I mentioned it in the early service, and I told uh, Miss Phyllis, she was playing the piano, I said, don't tell your daughter. I don't want Melissa to get all offended and get all upset, but I don't personally enjoy going to the dentist office. And we've got a great dentist, and, you know, Melissa's great and all that, and whatever dentist you go to, I'm sure they're great. It's not the people. It's just the idea. It's the idea that somebody takes a drill or somebody takes, you know, a, a weapon and starts, you know, shoving it in your mouth. There's just something about that, you know. Kind of like Brother Dan going and getting your throat worked on. You know, that's not something you sign up for, you know, unless you have to. But if I said, you know, my teeth, I need some work done on my teeth, and I don't think I do. I shouldn't even say that, because watch, I'll go and I will. But, you know, if I had work that needed to be done on my teeth, I'd say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to the dentist office. Now, I don't have an appointment or anything, but I'm going to go to the dentist office tomorrow, and uh, I don't know if they'll let you in without an appointment, but I'm going to go sit in the waiting room. Boy, they got nice, comfy seats, and they got some, you know, magazines and newspapers, and, you know, I'm going to go sit in that dentist office, 8, 8 a.m. till 5 p.m. I'm just going to sit in that lobby. And I think my teeth are going to be clean when I walk out at 5 because, you know, I'm going to the dentist office. And if they're not clean, by the time I leave at 5, I'll go back Tuesday and I'll sit in that lobby, I'll sit in that waiting room, 8 to 5, and eventually I think something's going to happen. I think those teeth are going to get clean. Uh, Philip and Laura, don't tell your sister, okay? Please, I beg of you. Otherwise, she'll really get me when I go in. But you know, you would say, you say, Pastor, it doesn't work that way. Just because you go and sit in a dentist's office, your teeth don't automatically get clean. You got to put yourself in the dentist's chair. You got to let the dentist do the work. You got to let them do the cleaning. You got to let them do what they do. And here's what I'm saying about church. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you come. And if you say, you know, I'm not sure I'm getting a lot out of church. The answer is not to stop coming to church. That's not the answer. The answer is to keep coming and to let God do a work on your heart. The answer is for church to do us good. It's more than just sitting on a pew. It's more than just entering the lobby. It's more than just walking down the hall. It is opening your heart and life and saying, God, I need you to do a work in me. And because, verse 9, because of the house of God, because of the worship of God, because of spending time in God's presence, David says, I will seek thy good. You know what David said? Because of what the worship at the temple has done for me, I'm going to seek the good of others. That's the Christian life right there. The Christian life is not a selfish life. It's not a self-centered life. The Christian life is not about, I demand this and I want this and you're going to give me this and this is what I deserve. Time out. You don't even want to talk about what we deserve. And I'll guarantee you, you don't want what you deserve and I don't want what I deserve. What we deserve is a place in hell. 
But the Christian life is not about demands and the Christian life is not about give me my way. The Christian life is what can I do to help somebody else? What can I do for somebody else's good? What can I do for the good of my spouse? What can I do for the good of my neighbor? What can I do for the good of my coworker? What can I do for the good of my neighborhood? And can I tell you, when we get serious about letting God work in our hearts, we will find something amazing happens. Church does us some good. We don't just come in and go out the same way, but we come in and God does a work in our heart. And we leave out with a desire to do something good for somebody else. You know what's the greatest thing is you could do for somebody else? You could tell them about Jesus. You know what you could do good for somebody else? You could love them. You could pray for them. You know what you could do for somebody else? You could be kind to them. You could be patient with them. Say, but you don't know my coworker. Well, you don't know my coworker. Well, actually, you do know my coworker, uh, Brother Dan. But anyway, uh, needless to say, I don't have to know your coworker. Here's what I know God wants you to love them, and God wants you to show them Jesus in your life. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.